Good morning, everyone. It is awesome to be back with you. Spent a week in Chicago uh, having class, learning about interpretation of scriptures, topic called hermeneutics. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. But every time you read scripture, every time you communicate, you're bringing in assumptions, your ideas, your perspectives. And we do this every day. Like imagine your wife sends you this long text and says, I really want to tell you about my day. It's been amazing. It's been intense. And then I text back, okay. And then Sheena has to think, well, why did he only say okay? Was that okay or okay? Or what if you said okay and then put a period there? You know, sometimes with texting, punctuation means it's emphatic. Okay. You know, when you have all these different factors, it probably depends on how you're feeling with your spouse of how you would look at that. And so we have all this baggage, we have all these assumptions, our life experiences, and we bring that in every time we read the Bible. And so, you know, how do you decide what's valid, what's not valid? How do you decide how you're going to arrive at meaning? And so anyway, that's, that's what the class was in Chicago. So there you go. Was that with a period? Or was it with a question mark? So I'm excited about our final topic in our three-week series on dreaming And we're going to talk about dream to change. The fact is, and Scott illustrated this through his life, you're never too old to change. And he shared the path of the last year of his life. And the fact is, every single one of us has something in our life that we would like to be different. Sometimes we have things that need to be different. But we don't yet realize it. Sometimes uh, we're in a situation where we've tried to change something before and it just never worked out and we're living kind of discouraged or hopeless. So sometimes it has to do with you. All of us know people that we think need to change something. And what do we do with that? How do we help? How do we get them on the right track? And so today we're going to talk about dreaming to change. And we're going to spend all our time in Mark chapter 5. So go ahead and turn over there. And we're going to read this together. We're going to start... We're going to start in uh, verse 19. And so just so you get a little context here, Jesus has just healed a demon-possessed man. And in verse 19... Jesus says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. 
He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, while all this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Yeah, I love this story. It's a story about change. It's a story about healing. I also love how honest the Bible is. You know, it even records there at the end that, okay, after this happened, Jesus gave strict orders. Don't tell anyone what happened. Well, how do we know what happened? Because people told what happened. Yeah, every time Jesus says, now, don't tell anyone, people go out and tell. It's a story about healing, and we started there when Jesus talks to the man that was healed of demon possession. He said, go back to your people and tell them what has been done for you. Tell them how much mercy God has had on you. And with that, he makes another journey across the sea. When he gets there, he's approached by the leader of the synagogue, Jairus, who kneels down before him. And he's hurting. He's desperate. Why? His 12-year-old daughter is dying. 
So well, how did he know about Jesus? Well, he was informed who he was. He found out where he was coming. And he made the trek over there and he knelt down. He said, you're the one. I know you can make a difference. And the scriptures say, so Jesus went with him. You know, if you're Jairus, how are you feeling now? Finally, I have hope. You know, there's no more helpless situation than when your kids are hurting. There's no more helpless situation when somebody you care about deeply is suffering medically. The doctors have said, well, we, we, we've done everything we can. There's nothing else we can do. You're like, well, there must be something. There must be an answer. There must be hope. And Jairus goes and finds the one source of hope that there is. And he kneels down before Jesus and says, please, 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 come and lay hands on my daughter and she will live. And Jesus goes with her. You know, it's the early stages of the journey. As is the case with Jesus, rarely does life progress straight from point A to point B. There's a lot of detours along the way. And you know, sometimes detours are fun. You get to see new things. You get to experience new things. But you know what? When you are desperate for change, when your heart is hurting for someone else, you want it to go directly from point A to point B. Now, the fact is, through the detour... Jesus was still with Jairus. Never left him. But they didn't go straight to his house because there was another situation that happened. The Bible tells us there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered under the care of doctors. The Bible said she'd spent everything she had But instead of getting better, the Bible says she only got worse. The fact is, all of us can probably think of a situation where we were hurting. And we spent resources. We put our time in. We got help. And yet at the end of the day, just like this woman, we'd say there was no improvement. I didn't get better at all. In fact, I got worse. Yeah, that's a discouraging place to be when you've used up all that you have to try and help. And it only got worse. But she hears about Jesus. The Bible says that she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, what was her circumstances? Well, She's bleeding for 12 years. So according to uh, the Levitical law of the Jews, if you experienced bleeding, you would be unclean for seven days. So you had to keep your distance from other people. And in fact, anyone that you touched or anything that you touched while you were unclean would also become unclean. But she's got a problem. 
Because the king of kings, whose clothes she wants to touch, is surrounded by a crowd. So what are you going to do? How am I going to get to Jesus? She says, well, I'm going for it. Oh, believe me. She touched a lot of people getting to Jesus. But you know what? When you're desperate to change, you don't really care that much about social convention. Because you're just trying to get to the Lord. She gets there. And I, I love the faith of this woman because she thinks, the Bible records it, I just need to touch his clothes, not him. And maybe it was because she knew, I don't want to touch Jesus because I don't want to make him unclean, so I'm just going to touch his clothes. Bible doesn't really give us any insight, but she just thought, I don't even need to touch Jesus, just, just his clothes. So, you know, if you've ever been in the middle of a big crowd and you're trying to get into some place like, you know, when Magic Mountain opens at the beginning of a busy Saturday, and you're just trying to get through the line and people are bumping into each other, she makes her way there. She touches his clothes. And Jesus says, power goes out. And he says, who touched me? You see, this woman knew the answer was Jesus. But there was work to be done in order to get to Jesus. Now, I want to just stop for a moment and think about something. So this woman fought through the crowd to touch Jesus' clothes. And she was healed from 12 years of bleeding instantly. How'd you like to read about this story realizing you were also in the crowd that day? In fact, you bumped into Jesus many times. You touched him. You touched him. You touched his clothes. In some ways, you couldn't help it because you were there and the crowd was pushing around you and it was like somebody would shove, you know, a person behind you and they'd shove you and then you bumped into Jesus and you're like, hey, you know, sorry, bro, um, they shoved me. And then a day later, you find out, wait a second. Some woman came up to Jesus in the crowd and touched his clothes and she got healed. I touched Jesus. I didn't get any healing. You know, the fact is, It's not coming into contact with Jesus alone that does the healing. You can be present at church. You can read your Bible. You can talk about Jesus. You can live a committed life. But no healing. See, because Jesus says, your faith is what made the difference. Attending church your whole life puts you near Jesus. But that doesn't mean you'll be healed. Because what's going on on the inside of your heart and your mind? 
The Bible says that the woman thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I got a question for you. What do you think? What are the thoughts the Bible would record from your mind while you're here? While you're thinking about Jesus, while you're thinking about the Bible, what is it that comes to mind in your life? See, she thought, I just need to touch his clothes and I'll be healed. And that's what happened. You know, Josh, you can go to the next slide. I say, what do we do? Well, we got to overcome the obstacles. Yeah, obstacles are actually a spiritual thing. Because obstacles test the desire that's on the inside. Every parent knows you don't just give a child the first thing that they ask for. You've got to do a little test of desire. Do they bring it up tomorrow? Do they bring it up the next day? How persevering is the desire? Because they're, oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. I want that. Really? Do you really want it? Okay, then what will you do with this obstacle? Will the obstacle stop you? Say, well, here's all my situation. Yeah, but I really want it. Well, then the second question is, then what does a faithful step look like? Not a step. Sometimes we want sometimes we want steps that don't require faith. It would have been great if, if like the woman heard, okay, we've got this single meeting place set up for you and Jesus. No other people will be around, so it's going to accommodate all the issues that you got. And so you just run on ahead two miles down the road, wait under that tree, and we got a one-on-one personal thing set up for you and Jesus. But that's not what happened. Because the issue wasn't what steps does she need to take. What faithful steps were required. You have a busy life? I do. Most everybody I know in Santa Clarita has a busy life. Sometimes the greatest faith is to make time. To say no to something so that you have time. And what's the steps that are required for you by faith? Faith that Jesus will make a difference. Even though I tried, even though I spent everything I had, I will give Jesus a chance. What's the faithful steps? And then persevere through the difficulties. You ever wonder what she was thinking in the middle of the crowd while she's trying to fight her way to Jesus? How many times she probably thought, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I just made these like 300 people unclean on the way to get to Jesus. I probably shouldn't have done that. That wasn't very sensitive of me. I should bail now. She made it. Perseverance. I really hate that the Bible talks about perseverance. I wish it didn't. I wish that if you just made one faithful step, you'd get what you need, and that would be the end of it. 
but it doesn't work that way. Perseverance is that suffering. It's a hardship over a period of time. You think about some of the most significant changes you've made in your life. Think about what Scott shared about in his life. Think about the conversations that Tara had with him. What if they would have stopped one conversation short? What if you would have stopped one day before the change happened? What if the person who is helping you stopped one day before the change happened? Aren't you glad for perseverance? I never like it in the moment, but I'm grateful for it after the fact. You've got to get to Jesus. You say, what's the faithful steps that you need to take? Second point here is to get Jesus to someone. Sometimes you go to Jesus. Sometimes you've got to get Jesus to the person. You know, it's great anytime somebody has the willingness and the heart to just go, I'm totally fired up about this. I really want to go and pursue Jesus. That's, that's awesome, and that's point number one. Sometimes it's just not that way. There's, there's people that need Jesus, but they're unwilling or they're stuck. They lack the faith. They're discouraged. They're incapable of taking the first step. That was Jairus' daughter. She was 12. She was alive initially, but barely hanging on. It would have been silly to go, we don't know what her name was. Hey, just get up. I know, I know you're in rough shape. Just get up and get over there to Jesus and then you'll be fine. Nah, there's just some times where that's not going to happen. And somebody else is going to have to do the initial work of getting Jesus to the person. He pleaded. Unfortunately, it wasn't point A to point B. And they had a detour. Why? Because there was a woman that needed healing along the way. Well, after that whole episode, now they're back on their journey to Jairus' house. And they come up and they have this conversation with Jairus. They don't tell Jesus, they tell Jairus. It says, your daughter is dead. Stop bothering the teacher. The Bible says that Jesus overheard what they're saying. Jesus listens to all of our conversations. He does, and our thoughts. But so he overhears them going, Jairus, stop bugging Jesus, your daughter died. And he engages in that, and he said, don't listen to them. Don't be afraid, just believe. You know, when you're working and you're trying to help somebody change, there's many times where the crowd's going to say, it's a waste. Just stop it. Look at the facts. Just give up. And the question is going to be, who are you going to listen to? At that moment in time. Satan has a negative tape that he will play every time you decide to change or you try and help someone else change. Say, who are you going to listen to? Said, the facts say, stop bothering God. Jesus says, 
don't be afraid. Just believe. You know, they go. And Jesus, you know, I think he's, he's got a sense of humor. So he's like, hey, what's all this wailing and commotion? She's not dead. She's asleep. And they laugh at him. She says, you know what? You get out of the house. I'll bring mom and dad, the disciples, and we're going to go and we're going to deal with this. And he goes, raises this little girl to life, and then in true Jesus fashion, he says, by the way, feed her. You know, if you get raised from the dead, you should get to eat a really good meal. Jesus said so. And it says they're astonished. You say, why? Because Jesus did what only Jesus can do. He defied the facts. And every single one of us knows people that need Jesus. And are hurting. And what do they need? They need you. They need you to get Jesus to them. Say they're a grown adult. If they want Jesus, they can do that. You know what? The, the scriptures have story after story after story where somebody else did the heavy lifting and said, Hey, Jesus, you need to come over here. I got somebody you need to meet with. I got somebody you need to talk to. And along the way, Satan's messengers said, Just give up. It's a waste. You know, every single one of us has been connected to people that did not give up. You can go to the next slide. Say what's going to be required. Well, you got to listen to the disciples. The crowd said one thing. The disciples said something else. If popular opinion carried the day, Jairus' daughter would still be dead. Well, she's dead now. In Mark 5, she wasn't, okay? What's the world around us say? Oh, those voices are loud. I wouldn't spend a whole lot of time comparing that. I would listen to the right voices. And never give up hope. Jesus can do the miraculous. No situation, even death, is beyond reach for Jesus. But there's some who are sitting here. The reason you're here is somebody is trying to bring Jesus to you. Saying, hey, I want to help. Jesus can help. So what are you going to do? How are you going to handle that? We're talking about a dream to change. I don't care how long it's been, whether it's been 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, or a week. Whatever it is that you're facing right now, get Jesus involved. Take the faithful steps. You see, that forces a choice. Because you're not going to get steps where faith are not required. 
the detours of life are going to require faith. But this is a message of hope. It's a message of change. Every single one of us are a testimony to the role of what Jesus has done in each one of our lives. So the question is, what will you do? Will you engage Jesus again? Will you listen to his voice? And if you've grown discouraged and given up hope, let Jesus give you hope again. God's the God of new creations. He's all about change. It's hopeless to wake up feeling like I can't change. You know what? On our own, we're stuck. But with Jesus involved, we have a path forward, a path of victory, a path of change. Let's be hopeful. Let's re-engage Jesus again and take those steps of faith as we continue on the journey, as we all dream to change together. Let's stand as we close in a final song.